0: It is better to think of church in the alehouse than to think of the alehouse in church.
1: Welcome back to the Go to Help podcast, strong opinions weekly held about Christianity, the church, and beer. I'm your host Tim Curley, and I'm joined by my co-host Colton Pierce. Colton, how's it going?
0: It's going. It's a sad day. We're recording on a Saturday again. Uh, the FA Cup final was this morning, and Manchester United lost. So I'm uh, trying to, you know, come to grips with the loss and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's just how it is. It was a good game. Uh, ended up being two to one, um, but it's always tough when you lose
1: to Man City. So it's just how it goes. So there was a lot of. Did you hear a lot of uh, Blue Moon? Is that what, what? What is that? Is that what they sing? I don't even know. They're city fans. They can sing whatever the hell they want. <laughs> I think it's Blue Moon that they sing.
0: They'll probably sing a song about how they all. The
1: Brits always have a. It seems like the the soccer clubs all the football clubs always have some song that they is their song, and it's not something original. Most of them they've adopted some popular culture song. Yeah, and there's his trash, so not <laughs>
0: worth listening to. So it's all good. They uh, they won. Um, it was a good game. Like I said, it was, uh, it was tense until the last moments. So it was uh, it's fun to watch. Just not the result you want to see as a United fan. So oh well. How are you doing?
1: Uh, pretty good. We're getting ready. Next weekend, we'll be up in Sonoma for NASCAR racing. Should be a fun weekend. Uh, Very busy, though. They've got three days of racing, so that'll make it a little uh, hectic for us, for sure. Uh, We'll be at the track and then probably scrambling to eat, because for some reason in Sonoma County, everyone goes to bed at 8 o'clock, so it's hard to find a good restaurant. It's true. Uh, But we'll, we'll have a good time. Uh, some sad news that I got actually a week ago. You and I recorded last week, and then after you left, I got a phone call from my business partner, which I rarely get on a Saturday. So I answered the phone, and I figured it was something else than what he broke to me. But a few months ago, I'd mentioned uh, on the show that I was happy that one of my photographers, longtime photographers, a African, a black Frenchman. I don't that's the only way I know how to explain him, since African-America doesn't work. That's the term we use. So black Frenchman had uh, started working for my company back in the day in uh, in France. He shot all kinds of uh, French soccer and French Open and tennis and some other events and decided to move over here to the States and asked us where he should move and I gave him a couple of recommendations. He ended up moving to Los Angeles and there he met his wife and met her. And, uh, what I had shared with the show was that he had moved to Tennessee and, be- and then had announced on Instagram that he'd been baptized and I didn't know he's a Christian. So I was really happy about that. And, uh, my business partner called and let me know that he had died suddenly. Dang. Um, he's Christoph had to have been in his forties probably young 40s I don't um, don't know what happened but uh it was it really brought me down on last Saturday I've had a hard time so uh, yeah the older you get I think death particularly somebody who's close to your age I think it's really hard um, when you're younger well I don't know when you're younger it's a little well when you're younger if it's someone older you're kind of expecting it but uh, right I was, as I get older, it doesn't matter how old someone is, even if they're old, it just it's uh the more the more I experience it doesn't make it any easier for me. So uh and I have to admit, and if you're listening to this and you like the show but you're still not a Jesus follower, but you're interested in what you're saying, don't take this the wrong way. But it <laughs> it did mean more to me. There just added something to it that he had been baptized and apparently joined the faith and then died so um and some of you who are listening to this said that, that should make you a sad because he knows where he's going after and it eh, just doesn't do it for me uh all those things might be true but uh we lost him here and we're as colton and i always talk about we need to be focused on the here and now and so To lose someone who was his... Look, this guy was one of the best photographers I'd ever worked with, and I've worked with the best folks. It's not me bragging. I've, I've stood on the shoulders of greatness. I have worked with the best photographers with the New York Times, Sports Illustrated, Sporting News, a company called Getty Images. I have had the pleasure of working with the best of the best, and he was one of them. And so just to see his contribution to the world going um not being there anymore just yeah really bummed me out so um hopefully i will find out what happened and connect with his wife who i, I don't know i I've, I've mentioned before she's uh, somewhat famous um but uh try to connect with her and see how she's doing but uh yeah it was a bummer so
0: yeah that is a bummer I think it's always hard when it comes to death. I mean, for anybody that thinks that it's not hard, I don't. I'm not able to sympathize with you. I think that it's it's very selfish of us, um, in a good way though, of we are upset always about the chances that are missed, right? the the things that go on um, that could have potentially happened if life were to have continued for that person. And so that's what we miss. Um, And so even if you are a Jesus follower and you're sitting there and thinking like, well, it should be a happy occasion or anything like that. And I know that that's some people's responses. um, We still here on earth miss the hole that they leave um, with their presence being gone. And so um, I think that it's good to always acknowledge that hole um, that is left and that there is... The world is not the same without those people in it, and they never will be. Um, we're not uh, just this hive that just comes over and fills the void in the spot. Um, those spots are are meant to be cherished and that's the point of those relationships. And so um, you should feel those moments. Um, it's good because uh, again, take that because i even jesus
1: would do that in those moments and we have proof of that and so yeah i i I don't think it's disrespectful to god or jesus or some sign of lack of faith that so you lose somebody whether they're really close to you or not and you're devastated depressed um you know long period of mourning angry i don't i just don't think those are those are responses that are somehow disrespectful and not and and mis, a, a sign of misunderstanding what the faith is. E, you know, Colton, your views are a little different than most on the afterlife, or certainly some uncertainty. But even if you're certain, like most of us are, or we have some idea, it still doesn't matter. That it does. It's not again some. Lack of what God's plan is to be angry with him even though yeah. he didn't take that person that this person's not going to be in your life anymore so um, anyway sorry to start the show on such a downer folks but you know we share so yeah so that's all I got uh, I don't think there's any cleanups oh I know it was uh
0: You gotta save for yourself this time. You gotta clean up on aisle four.
1: Clean up on aisle four!
0: Clean up on aisle four.
1: Clean up on aisle five.
0: Clean up on aisle three! Clean up on aisle three! Clean up on aisle seven. Clean up on aisle seven. Clean up in all the aisles.
1: I don't know when we were having the discussion at some point in the last couple weeks. We we're having a discussion about uh, Conflict in the church might have been last week but we we're having some kind of discussion about uh, conflict in the church and I think I said something about Peter and Paul Having conflict which they clearly did but I think I implied or we both implied or expi- explicitly said that it remained a Conflict and in going back to scripture this week that's not the case uh either that or we got to believe they're both hypocrites because in their writings they were very clear about it being important to unite and they're not just talking about unificate being united within whatever church they're writing to like when peter's right or paul's writing to the church in corinth or Ephesus they're talking in general about important that the church be united so I think very clearly on they were trying to lay the predicate for uh and the and the rule that we can disagree about things that aren't critical to the faith which is what we we talk about um we can disagree about those things they don't need to be a source of conflict and split within the church which unfortunately at some point the church didn't continue to follow that and we've spent most of our time arguing and uh, about things that aren't critical and accusing others of being outside of the church who over things that don't matter and to the point where we're hunting them down and killing them and torturing them unfortunately right and so uh that brings us to so Incorrect on that, if if that was the impression. I think we were kind of kidding too, but I, even jokingly, I don't want to leave that very early on. Paul, Peter, the pillars of the church from the very beginning made it, made it very clear, we need to be unified. Let's not argue over things that are m- minor differences in the grand scheme of things. And um, so that brings us to what we talked about last week, which is the Jesus Collective... Uh, We mentioned that we were going to maybe be working with them a lot more. Um, They sent us some information, and we thought it was pretty good because we've been talking a lot about being Jesus-centered in our faith, and they sent us some information that we want to go through that I think kind of clearly lays out what some guidelines are because maybe some of you are listening. You've grown up in the church, and you hear this Jesus-centered thing. You're like, what, like, real Christian isn't Jesus-centered? That makes no sense to me. We're all Jesus-centered. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Again, too much of the church has not been Jesus-centered. It's been Jesus-centered, sort of, with a, with a smorgasbord of other things that one has to do in order to be a Jesus follower. So we're, they've given us some little tidy topics. I don't think all of, you know, they're just kind of clarifying What it means to be Jesus centered and just kind of what the Jesus said I don't think part of it's that and it's also just what the Jesus centered movement is Is focused on and there are some portions of the church that maybe aren't necessarily quote-unquote call themselves Jesus centered but Might also agree with these these things we'll go through them one by one This is what the Jesus collective group in particular is Defining itself as these are our core values. They are not all things you have to believe in let me make that clear. These are not what is this? Five things. These are not five things that you have to be believe in in order to be a Jesus follower. These are just five core values that the Jesus Collective uh, would describe as their core values, and they are core values that I think you and I, Colton, would agree are core values. Certainly and or and or just ways we look at our faith, which are contrary yeah. to what certainly traditional American uh, Christianity has been. Right. I think a lot of these are in contradiction to what the church, m- much of the church is believed in. Yeah. So. Oh, all right. So number one. God, so this is what the Jesus Collective and this podcast believes in. God always looks like Jesus, and all scripture is properly read through him. Yeah, so um, this
0: is uh, a different way of reading scripture is kind of what it talks about. Um, where, uh, And this is where it's tough um, for a lot of people to where you are... There's a lot of things that these mission statements are going to have to leave out. Um, these are going to be part of the conversations that you're going to have to go through and wrestle with. And we've tried to wrestle with these on this podcast of the idea that God has always looked like Jesus. And so what that means is that we look at how we try to communicate with God and how we view God needs to be the way that we view Jesus so you continue to look at God the same way that Jesus was um, and then but the the caveat there is where it says God always looks like Jesus and that means that he always has and always will look like um, his ultimate revelation of his character or of who he was which was in his son um, on earth and so therefore You then would have to retrofit Jesus into the God of the Old Testament, and that may not always line up, right? Um, because again, you kind of have like these three personalities of God when you look at the Trinity, and that's what people like to suggest is happening um is that's there's three personalities there's the the ghost that kind of whispers to you with your consciousness um which is the holy spirit you have jesus who was this loving man um and then you have the like the just um all-powerful god that's over everything um and as we had talked about before and i don't know if we talked about this last week on the podcast or maybe we talked about it um just off the podcast we talked about um when we look at the trinity it's not necessarily rules about god's personality so much as they are rules about um how he operates yeah um so to speak uh so the they're just parameters around each of them there's a certain set of rules that they go by um yeah it's really complicated to get into again uh even uh i think uh, uh lewis in his chapter where he talks about it he's like you can skip this chapter yeah right? it's really She's complicated
1: like, this is like uh this is like uh master's degree or doctoral doctorate degree christianity right. like if this is like the stuff you wrestle with and tackle once you're comfortable with all the easy stuff
0: right so there's a lot of theories out there and that kind of stuff but again also understanding that okay but how the Jesus collective and how what we mean by we are saying we are Jesus centered is that we will continue to look at God's character and the way that God responds to situations in the same way that we view Jesus um, we see the father through the lens of Jesus Christ um, so therefore if it is if you are sitting there and saying so, th- and what that means is if you are sitting there and saying that God did this or God does that, and you would sit there and, I mean, like you could sit there and do the WWJD thing. Right. Where you're like, would Jesus do that? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then God does not do that. Correct. Um. So we have to sit there and look at his character through that lens of Jesus Christ. Um, And we talked about that before. This is his revelation of his character, but really understanding what you are committing to when you say that you are Jesus-centered, it means that you are going to continually look at the Father, and you will have to look at the Father that way for all of his past and for all of his future, because that's usually where people struggle with. Nobody really struggles with Jesus too much. Um, you can imagine a person coming here, a wise person that comes in and does all this blah, 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 but still there is a disassociation that people have between Jesus and who the father is, but really they are the same person. And so, um, if Jesus is responding in this particular way, then the father would have responded in that particular way. Right. And so that's, um, what is revealed to us through that. And so actually what you end up finding is you'll find that a lot of the stuff that happens in the old Testament with a lot of the violence and a lot of, um, those things that are hard to reconcile, you may come to the conclusion that, well, maybe this was more of a man thing than it was a God thing that Jesus didn't necessarily, or God didn't want, um, so much blood and violence. Um, and since Jesus doesn't seem to really demand that of us, um, and so just something to consider um, and one of those many things that you will have to wrestle with as you continue to go through um, this process of becoming more Jesus centered. yeah, say.
1: so this the, this is their they this is their theological contrast. So this is how they kind of, again, in general, it doesn't describe every denomination or or a, a necessarily Protestant or Catholic specific view. It's just trying to do their best to succinctly kind of give what the church Theologically, has other parts of the church have believed over the years. They say the truth about God is averaged from portraits across the Bible. So God's a vengeful God. God's a violent God. God's a loving God. Jesus is God's soft side, but not the exact representation of God. Every verse in the Bible carries equal authoritative weight. That is very much a literal. What what if you're not if you're new to the faith, or uh you probably you, you haven't heard this term if you've grown up in the church you've probably heard this the bible is inerrant maybe basically meaning there's it's perfect basically it's just been everyone dictating what god wanted to be written down on paper and that's what it is so since god wrote it through man you can't you can't criticize it or say it's contradictory or anything like that uh Uh, Everything has equal authoritative weight. An idea is biblical if you can find a verse anywhere that seems to support it. I love that little bit at the end because that's been driving me nuts for 20 years. Uh, Our pastors are fairly good at not doing that. It's rare that someone just pulls out a little verse and says, uh, you know, here's a verse. But it is rampant throughout the church. It's rampant online when you read something. Just someone pulls one little sentence out of some you know, two-paragraph statement by Jesus to support uh, a comment they're making, and you really have to read Jesus in full to understand what he's saying. And so one verse, either by Jesus or by Paul or Peter or in the book of Daniel or whatever, or even a psalm or a a lamentation or or whatever, you've really got to read the thing in full to understand what's going on. And so the the one sentence drive by quotation is never a good thing. But again, a lot of the church has always held that the Bible in total is, it's all basically authoritative. And that is not a view the Colton and I have. That is not a view that the Jesus collective is promoting too. I think it's a growing uh, view within the church as the church starts to shed evangelical ideas and, you know, Honestly, Jesus himself says it at one point. He says he's he's talking to the Pharisees and he says, you know, that says in the Old Testament that an eye for it, that what you're supposed to be eye for an eye. And he says, I say it's not an eye for an eye. He literally says, no, that is wrong. That is not what I'm what we're called to do. So as believer for the church, it is often struggled with that. And I think a lot of people who become believers sit in church and they get explained some pretzel tortured logical explanation as to why jesus would dare contradict something which god said before well you know god changes Well, you just said Pastor, nine months ago in another sermon i remember that god never changes so which is it we get ourselves into these pretzels but as they state here we don't believe that every part of the bible has equal authority
0: yeah i think if you are a Christian, um, and that's something that's difficult to grasp with. That's okay. Um, take your baby steps. Um, yeah, I think you do have to sit there, and I mean, like, there are the people that are like, you can't just chuck out the Old Testament. You're. Well, that's
1: absolutely true.
0: Yeah, you can't just chuck out that stuff. Um, but but if you sit there and say there is no part that has more weight or more emphasis than others, like that's also not true. Um, I, I'm sorry. It is great to know the history of the law um, in uh, Leviticus and Numbers um, and to know the history of the Jewish people um, and the calling that God has outlaid for his people. That is extremely important to know. Remember, that is... But also understand that that is the history of the faith and that is um, what you are really getting from a lot of that is that historical... kind of element where you need to know the past. It's very much as like being in a history class. We sit there and we say that this is important for us to know. We need to know our history um, and that kind of stuff, which is really good to know. But when we're talking about how we are supposed to respond and what it is that our job is, um, that is where you find it in the New Testament that you get a lot of that weight. Um, And so uh, how you're supposed to participate in your religion and what is it that Jesus is calling you to do, those come from the New Testament. That's what guides you on a day-to-day basis. I'm as much as I think that it's great that we know, you know, Moses and Noah and the Ark and all that kind of stuff, that is and that's not all the Old Testament is, but um it is really good to note, but don't sit there and forget about those things. If you if you're saying that one has more weight than the other, you or that there's no weight that should be given to one or the other that's just i don't find that there's obviously more important parts like Jesus' death and resurrection the paying for our sins that is significantly more important for you to know and that's why that's the thing that we talk about when we're talking about you know um restoring people to the faith and Um, or giving people the opportunity to step into the faith. We're talking about this love and care from Jesus. And so therefore, you have already put more importance and emphasis on this part of who Jesus is or who God is. And we're saying that, again, this is who he has been the whole time. So um, I don't know. That's just what I would say for that whole bit about no scripture
1: is more important than the other. And it's like, okay. (laughs) Uh, Their secular contrast for this is the Bible is outdated supports violence and oppression and is anti-science There's no way to know the truth about God or ultimate reality There is no way to arbitrate between conflicting Private institutions about good and evil right and wrong. So they're basically saying, you know Government is the ultimate institution for determining what's right and wrong. It's done with the consent of the populace uh the church has certainly offered itself up to criticism, again, because the way we've off, we've described the Bible when it comes not only, but when you say the Bible all the way through is basically God and God's character, then you open yourselves up to these questions of, okay, then why is slavery allowed? Why is there all this violence where God's telling people not just to go to war, but I'm going to be angry with you if you don't wipe them all out? Right. Uh, and then just the nonsensical stuff that's been going on for a century now about science and creation and 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 evolution specifically. So, um, I think what the Jesus Collective is saying, yeah, you know, the Bible doesn't have answers to a lot of those things, but also the government is not an answer to what is ultimately right and wrong. Those do need to be done privately, and we believe that Jesus is the only sole arbiter of the and the best and only way of de- of determining what is right and wrong and following him is doing your best to follow him is the best way to ensure that the world is being that moral one uh good place to live in right and Plenty i think of way of saying it but
0: i think again it's um it's what we talked about before where there is an element of where when we talk about being a part of the faith um it satisfies a spiritual need and understanding that this is something beyond um uh laws and facts that are here this is something that you choose to be a part of to be a part of a collective organization um and so when it says the bible is outdated it supports violence and oppression um and is anti-science um again it is difficult if you continue to hold the fact that the Bible is locked tight. It's airtight. Um, it has no mistakes in it. There's nothing. Uh, and you can definitely live your life in that blissful state of sitting there and saying, like, that's the way God wanted it. That's the way that it's supposed to be. Um, and that is how people have done things for a really long period of time. But um, to where you just sit there and accept the fact that that's just the way that it is. Um, but then for people of the faith and people outside the faith, it makes it extremely or increasingly um, difficult um, for them as they begin to learn more about who Jesus is. It seems like there's like a honeymoon stage that you may go through where it's like you promise this person that is loving and caring um but then why do all of these terrible things happen why you say that he's in control um you say that he's all powerful um but yet all of these terrible horrible things continue to happen and according to the scriptures if you go back into the old testament he's the one that's allowing for these things to to take place um and so why doesn't he do something why isn't all of this and so these questions begin to fester and grow and people that are that are young in the faith, and it just seems like that can't be the correct answer. Um, and so that's something that they struggle with. And now our argument is that if you continue to look at Jesus as the ultimate revelation of who God is, um, then a lot of those questions become muted from the standpoint of we're able to sit there and say, um, You know, we're able to talk about the world being broken and that man really is the person that has decided to cause a lot of this violence and this harm. Yeah, And I say a lot of he is the one that causes this violence and this harm Um, and being able to wrestle with that um, because, again, Jesus is who we look to as to who God's character and who he is. Um, We shouldn't be getting it from anywhere else. Um, Because then that would just contradict with who he is as well. Right. So, which would also be another flaw. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think that's good.
1: All right. Item two, a bigger gospel. So they say to be saved includes belonging to a community under Jesus called to live the life of the future now. Oh, what does that mean? That basically means, well, I think to make it I think reading the theological contrast will make it clear what they're trying to say the theological the, theological contrast is um and I guess I should say for people who don't aren't believers or new to the, theological contrast I, when I when we say when I'm reading a theological contrast that's just a big way of saying this is what an, this, this is another idea of what people within the church have believed. So theological contrast, God is only interested in saving souls, not creation itself. Christian faith is mostly about consenting to the right ideas. Jesus is a savior from the world, but not the Lord of life within it. We are saved only as individuals and the church is incidental. I would add add that to that. My own little addition is, and I think it's a bigger problem. With all due respect for the to the jesus collective folks who wrote this but again they're trying to be concise and they would say they have this as a part of it this is when we have a discussion about it this includes this so i'm, I'm not actually contrary to them what ha- what this looks like day to day is it, this they're not saying that people don't value church that they, they they're just um interested in saving their souls uh well there's certainly a large group of christianity that does view christianity that way we're just going out and saving souls that's what we're doing it's just racking up numbers it's just basically like it's a sales gig and i gotta meet my quota and we're trying to get as many people saved so they can go to heaven and church is just this little cloister where we can shelter ourselves from the world and take care of each other and be in a safe space And. They're not saying that we're not supposed to be in that community, that church where we get together, but that we're also supposed to be in the world, in the world trying to um, make the world a better place, I guess. Was that a good way to say it? What do you what what do you how do you think they're what they're trying to say here?
0: I think that what we're talking about is is what the church is supposed to represent um yeah i think what we view church as is this thing that you're supposed to go to every single sunday um you're supposed to sing you're supposed to get a message and then you go out from there and you feel rejuvenated or whatever there's some spiritual collective in that idea um i believe that the church that they're talking about right now and being a part of that community um is about the establishment of god's community here on earth Um, And so that is uh, people that are buying into the mission and vision of Jesus Christ and they are living out their lives with other people um, and continually trying to grow that mission and that vision to where we can heal and care for this world um, that is um, right now. It's that church on the hill model uh, to where it eventually spreads throughout the entirety. It's almost like an infection of goodwill and love of just through that process the church so to speak is this community of believers that are coming together to love on other people it's not people getting together and singing songs Um, it's not people getting together and hearing a message that's not what it's talking about yeah it's talking about we have all bought into this mission and this vision and so we are going to go out and continue to share love and caring for and that doesn't mean that that Sunday service doesn't need to happen or whatever. Right. But again, that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about you are supposed to be signing on for this uh, community uh, under Jesus. That's not, that that image that you've been told is the community of Jesus Christ. That's not really it because I'm technically a part of the community of believers that exist in North Korea or in China or in Russia or whatever. I am a part of that community as long as they continue to share w- love and um towards their neighbors and i'm the same with towns around here where i'm a part of this community of believers that believes in um showcasing the love of jesus christ and i think what's important is that they're saying that again this isn't about uh and that's what being saved is is about being a part of that community um to where your your frame of mind has shifted From being about myself to being about other people Um, and we are called as it says to live the life of the future now Um, where again this kind of concept that we've talked about several times now is we aren't buying into this faith and into this religion for sanctification elsewhere this is for us to be a part of a world that is created here that that needs saving and it's our job to do it. We are the gardeners. Right. Um, and so we got to go and and the way that we save it as proclaimed by Jesus Christ is that you love your neighbor. Um, and so that's how we go and we fix this broken, um, messed up world. I think kind of where we get and where it talks about in the theological contrast is very similarly, and we've talked about it a couple times where I say that I think we are too focused on that end goal we want heaven and it seems so sweet because that's what they will assure you is this eternal salvation and what it actually is is that you say that we suffer now um through this life this life is suffering right and then um and you do your due diligence you do your work and then here's this retirement home on the other side yeah um It's almost like when you're signing for a job, the way that people view it is you're actually not picking a career when you sign on for Jesus. What you're picking is you are going to slave away at this job, and then at the end of it, you're going to get a million dollars. So when you're done with this whole shebang, you get a million dollars. And so uh, people die out because of that because they're like, you know, it's not freaking worth it. Yeah, Uh, They're like, this is dumb. Uh, I can't. I can't put forth like what all, especially once life starts hitting you, if it can hit you in so many different ways and to where you're just like a million dollars isn't worth it. And so you do whatever coping mechanisms you have to throughout this life to get through it. And that's terrible. Instead, the what we're saying that the Jesus collective is, and what being Jesus centered is saying is that this life is the gift. This is where heaven is supposed to be we have to go out there and make it it's it's based off of our work as a community to go out there and do this you need to buy into the mission and vision of Jesus Christ and share that love here and now we build it here it's our mission to go do that yeah so if anybody is saying that that, that the world is consuming us um and you know the end times are coming that's our fault so to speak where it's that's not the world like that's not satan winning that's us being lazy or right. us not doing what we're supposed to be doing um which again is continually showing love and care for other people um and so uh that's kind of what i got from it as far as what we should be buying into um, i as think far it's as- perfect
1: yesterday at the at uh, the brewery uh, we got into a, dis- a discussion about homeless because there's a homeless encampment in our town down the street from where the brewery is, and it got mentioned. And uh, one of our friends goes there on a weekly basis, at least once a week. Uh, some he's there some often t- twice a week. He's he's in there all the time. And when he when you ask him about it, he says he has friends in there. And so uh, one of the o- older guys in our group was there and he's more traditional conservative he's a christian but more co- traditional conservative so you know he's kind of got preconceived notions about homeless and uh, uh, they had started having discussion about what's it like in there and and he finally said so uh, the older my our older friend said uh, why are they in there and and they don't have access to food when they have ebt cards and our younger friend, Eric basically just dodged the question. Cause you know, I don't know why they don't, Eric's probably thought is I don't, I don't really know. And I don't care. It's not my problem. And his response was, I don't know. I go there because Jesus, because Jesus called us to uh, feed the poor and take, and take, uh, t- take care of the poor and feed the hungry. And Eric said it three or four times. He made it very clear. Jesus was very specific. Jesus was very specific Jesus was very specific we are supposed to do these things I don't know why they're in they're homeless but they are they are both poor and hungry so I'm going to do what Jesus called me to do and go in there and care for them
0: right yeah I wasn't um, asked them their entire history and I mean like there's people that are like well we can help them. Um, beyond that, you know, as long as they're able to put in the work and do all this kind of stuff. And, but again, what we talked about over and over on this podcast is that it's, it's about you, right? I mean, this says that, uh, we are saved only as individuals, but when you are reading the scripture and things are being talked about, it's not about what is the other person doing? It's about what your responsibility is towards other people. Um, And so that is what you need to make sure that you are concerned with. It's not about what your friends are doing, right? Like for those of you that are parents, you're like, I don't care what so-and-so's doing, that you're my kid and this is what I'm going to allow. And so that's how you almost have to treat yourself. You sit there and you don't say, oh, well, what is it that you're doing that's causing this or whatever? That's not what you're supposed to do. You need to make sure that you are doing what you need to be doing. And so, and like Eric said, we are supposed to be feeding the hungry and those that are thirsty, we give them a drink. Like, that's what we are deliberately called to do. And so we need to do it.
1: Yeah, I think there's... I think if you're a Jesus follower and you're really focused on him and trying to live out this faith the way the Jesus Collective has laid it out, there needs... unless you are a really, really good Christian who's just worked through their issues, there are probably two or three things on a daily, weekly weekly basis that you have to do or should be doing that make you uncomfortable, whether it be, I don't really like the homeless, and I don't really understand why in a country this rich we have them. Well, maybe you should do it just because it makes you... it makes you a little uncomfortable because our faith needs to be a little uncomfortable and tough a little times, or maybe it's just a little thing like your kids in little league and, or some kind of youth sport. And yeah, you don't like what's going on with the coach or the refs, but you need to do something that makes you a little uncomfortable and makes the world a better place and keep your mouth shut or say nice things to your quote unquote enemy. Right. Right. I you, you might be listening thinking that's silly it's not it's little things like that it's at work when everyone else is complaining about the boss being an asshole and you say you know what I, he's he or she's tough to work with I would, w- really would like that they would have a better personality but maybe for all we know they've got stuff going on at home and you know hopefully they'll get better but let's not call him an asshole let's let's be better than that right you know you that isn't you're not being a jerk about it and telling him, well, he's not an asshole. Maybe you're the asshole. You know, handle it in a loving way that just kind of makes everyone go like, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, maybe we shouldn't necessarily. It's little things like that that just are, to be clear, they're not saving us as Christians. We're not doing them because it justifies our salvation and justifies our faith for our faith. We're doing it because we're called to do it because we need to make the world a better place and hopefully in those moments again when you're when you are working with somebody or your kid <clears throat> does have a friend and their adult their adult parents are like you seem why are you not you know why you seem to handle this stuff really well it gives you a um, moment to say i'm being a jesus follower and doing it not in like a snooty way where you're trying to save people but just just be honest about it well just trying to do what jesus would want me to do which is not cause division not cause conflict love people uh try to understand people that i don't understand so uh the secular contrast they mention is religion is a private matter only within the hearts of individuals there's no authority outside of myself the only salvation is the self-help kind and the highest good is the individual freedom or self-expression rather than a beloved community. I would say that's largely correct. That is certainly what the secular world has, uh, that is the place that the secular world has told organized religion needs to put itself in. I would say ironically, and I've mentioned this a lot on the show, I would say the secular world's views have become a religion in and of itself. And a lot of modern secular institutions have started to mimic church themselves and not the good parts of what we would call Christian church in particular, but even Islam and Judaism. And it in and of itself has become a religion which is not supposed to be your own individual view but something we all have to agree to and if you don't you're going to be punished for it or ostracized so uh but certainly we shouldn't believe in that and if someone tells you that like well that's your thing you don't get to talk about it you know just just again politely say well I, you know i don't agree i'm i'm not trying to force my religion on anybody but you i'm i'm doing my best to live like a Jesus follower and let people know what that looks like. Okay. New relationship with power. I really like this one. This is one that I, we talk about a lot and I think has been a source of probably some of our more controversial statements. Theological, uh, evil is overcome through the power of suffering love. It is much bigger than than what we were just talking about before of we get we, we, we live in a world that's hostile to Christians and we suffer because people call us names and stuff like that. That is not what this is talking about, or it's a tiny, small part of it, but what we're talking about is much, much bigger. The theological contract to that, and I think this will again emphasize why the Jesus Collective thing is much bigger than that, The theological contrast is Christendom. We try to make the world better by compelling others to force, by that they mean violent force, think of the Crusades, to live like Christians, regardless of what they believe. We build God's kingdom when we exercise power, yes, that includes military power, over others to bend them to our perception of God's desires.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, this is the depending on the church that you go to, depending on your history or whatever, um, this is the crusade, uh, the evangelical crusade uh, that we put ourselves on. Um, and this is a mission and a vision that um, is cast out. Um, and again, I think it goes back to the previous idea again. If you are sitting there and thinking of eternal salvation versus eternal damnation and you're looking at both of those and one is obviously better um, than the other and you're sitting there and saying, I don't know how people couldn't be about this. Um, One is guaranteed this way and one is like, one is significantly better than the other and so you're sitting there and you have this mission and this vision to go out and save people from that perspective where you're like, I'm trying to save you from an eternity of suffering. Um, is what you are saying but and people are and but something that's to be said is that people are concerned with what's going on here and now life is hard here and now life is this and that here and now and so it's not enough to just sit there and just have this vision of keeping people from eternal damnation and just go out there and save them and by saving them oftentimes you're cutting them into the image of god that you have created or that the church that you attend is created right um and you are building god's kingdom through manipulation and uh and ah yeah it's just it's a tough spot to be um and those aren't good things um And that's just not what we're called to do. And I mean, like we're talking about how we share the mission and how we get people to be a part of the community. And again, hopefully, I don't think we've ever I don't think we've said it today at all in our conversations where we've said, um, like, well, you then have to tell them that Jesus loves them, like right after, you know, like that's not been a part of it. Or we sit there and say, Jesus died for your sins, and so therefore you need to accept him and and be baptized and those types of things. We're not going through that. Uh, What we have hit time and time again is we are just supposed to love people. Um, And the difference that we are in the world will bring others to us, like a moth to a light. Right. I don't know. So that's just kind of one of those things where it comes to evil is overcome through the power of suffering, love, Um, yeah. That's how we overcome it. It's not by beating people over the head and going through our own crusades, in my opinion.
1: Well, the crusade is one. Both, both the Protestant and Catholic Church used the same justification in many ways to, I think, not only give an excuse, but the church was complicit in. It wasn't just an excuse. There was a there was a du- dual purpose. The secular purpose was to conquer and take land, but the church's purpose and, and, and justification for what it was doing, both in the Catholic church and the Protestant church in conquering the Americas was to save the savage from itself and give them this great thing called Christianity. Uh, but it's even, you know, I, I got to throw in there and get on my soapbox again. That includes even questioning Contributing to the gods, the dogs of war in someone like Ukraine, where yes, there's clearly an aggressor that's attacked another group of people, but are we, even, are we any better as believers? It's, a, it's different if you're from a secular perspective, but as believers, are we called to use physical force to win a war that probably isn't winnable, which by the way, I was reminded this week, the... The theory of just war theory uh, requires that the war has got to be winnable for you in order for you to engage in it. So that kind of puts into question whether or not under Christian just war theory that what's going on in Ukraine falls in line with that. But anyway, it, I'm sorry it includes that. It doesn't necessarily mean it reaches that that conclusion. But yes, it even includes that where when bad things are happening which is just another way of saying suffering and profound suffering. And it's not just people suffering by not having access to food and electricity and water, but yes, they are dying. They are getting massacred. Uh, being a Jesus follower says, is force the best way to handle this or is force in response to trying to defend someone just going to begat more force and more suffering and so we have to be open to those kind of questions yeah. and ma- and uncomfortable conversations
0: yeah and i think it comes from us being submissive um as much as we don't like to i mean we value power in our world um but really becoming um the passive submissive type um is there is strength in our meekness um and in our servitude um as opposed to just dominating over other people um it's more about serving those right like when i think of the war in ukraine so to speak uh i don't think about one side winning over the other um looking for victory i think of the lives being lost um and the fact that we need to take care of those people that are displaced out of their homes um and that's what breaks my heart it's not about the spread of communism or whatever or dictatorships or whatever it's about people whose lives are no longer around as we talked about in the beginning of this podcast um but it's also about those people that are misplaced and are struggling and hungry and starving and the refugees and and that kind of stuff um and that's something that's hard for us as Americans to grasp. You've never been displaced out of your home, or a lot of us have never been displaced out of our home. But uh, And and so that's something that's terrifying and sad um, to see. Um, and I mean, and that's where I would come from those perspectives of not necessarily looking to overpower or anything, but still just looking to help other people.
1: So their description of the secular contrast to the fact that evil is overcome through the power of suffering love is history is a highly polarized power competition where everyone tries to seize control at the highest levels and impose their will on others. The ends justify the means the only sort of power that exists is power over others.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I feel like that's fairly common. Um, even if you're sitting there and you're like, I don't necessarily believe that, and it's not necessarily what you believe as so much as what you practice on a regular basis. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't think anybody would actually agree that that's what the world, the way they think the world operates. But you would have to be uh, not the way that they want. Disingenuous the to, operate, yeah. to yourself, either intentionally or unintentionally, to say that's not actually how the the world in its uh n- natural state outside of god is that's the vacuum that is created and that's how exactly how it operates right uh and that's not just a from a violent standpoint the power that's not we don't have to view that just as from war but that's also just in voting blocks and how uh majority groups impose their will over minority groups within either within a democracy or non-democracy whatever just power can be all political power it can be cultural power it can be actual violence so number four a clarified mission and a fresh empowerment the holy spirit empowers us to partner in god's work of reconciling all things the theological contrast is disconnection between love of god and neighbor jesus makes us right and god uh, with makes us right with god but has little to say about human relationships or human systems or alternatively we reconcile the world we reconcile the world under our own strength and power jesus is an inspirational work for us but little more christianity as a moral enterprise but emptied of its spiritual power
0: yeah um this one's always uh and maybe we haven't said it enough on here but i feel like we've said it at times so therefore you know it's basically like saying it enough Mm -hmm. we cannot discredit the spiritual element of who god is and that um i mean there are people of the John Calvin variety who believe that the spirit does all of the work um, and those types of things, um, which is tough at times uh, to deal with. There is an element of we, too, are sharing the labor. Um, God is there with us, working with us in ways that we don't begin to understand of the spiritual connectedness. Um, between us and other people, the love that we share um, is not one that we could have came up with on our own, so to speak. Um, as we've talked about, that's that's again looking back at C.S. Lewis. We're talking about like far, far back, not just like that. You can't love somebody on your own, like without your own fruition or power. But I'm saying that this mission and vision that was cast centuries, millennia ago by God um, allowed for us to then. Um, be able to um love others in this way um and so god is constantly working with us um through this spiritual element of trying to connect with people and get others a part of the community um that have bought in onto this idea of loving other people um and it's not i the theological contrast was a little confusing for me because i was like i don't know many christians that believe that yeah um Uh, but but it is something to be said where it's like we are not just viewing Jesus and God as these solo entities that have taught us like they were teachers and they are not with us um, at all times and that we have a mission and vision that we are working on together um, each and every day.
1: So I don't know.
0: That's just kind of what my thoughts were on that one.
1: The. Secular contrast is teaching the ideals of liberalism will allow everyone to tolerate each other across vast disagreement. Everything will work out if we can just get, quote unquote, those people who are the are the problem out of the way. The world is without God's activity or any power but the human sort. Uh, so again, yeah, I think they're just trying to reiterate, I think this is... The, It'd be interesting to talk to somebody from the Jesus Collective about that one. This one might be one to just make it clear that they—you mentioned Calvin. Calvinism is very emphatic that there's that. Yeah, the we do works and they're they're indicative of how strong we are basically as a Christian, whether or not we're quote unquote good Christian or bad Christian, but we're not at all saved and everything is through the Holy Spirit, everything. And the more quote unquote liberal or progressive you go, I think there's a, there would be an acceptance of, yeah, we're all saved by Jesus and we're saved by the Holy Spirit, but works, works, works. Um, we're trying to walk the fine line between that and i think that's what this is trying to make it clear that as a movement they very much value the holy spirit and frankly we haven't talked about the holy spirit that much on this show either part partially just as kind of the it's a bit confusing it's really i mean it's mentioned in the bible but i think if we if we did episode on it it would be a lot of verses where peter and paul are trying to describe it because they're not really sure either and i think c.s lewis kind of talks about that we talked about that in mere christianity where it's like we're all trying to figure out what the holy spirit is because jesus kind of mentioned his name and said he was going to be with you but didn't say anything else and so it's kind of laying down the marker that the holy spirit is important we need to value it and understand that it is it is the one that is trying that is doing the work of reconciling those of us that are broken in the world that's broken. Yeah. All right. Number five. Uh, This is, we spent a couple, two or three episodes. we talked about this one, a new approach to disagreement. The church is defined by our shared center, not the lines we draw. So, And actually, we talked about it last week. On last week's episode, we kind of laid down and uh, reset the podcast just to make it clear that our intention from the beginning was to criticize but not ostracize those in the church that we disagree with. were, We're not trying to... Set boundaries and say, those of you who've done these things that we disagree with, you're outside of the faith because we don't like what what you did. We find counterproductive or wrong or whatever. And that's what they're trying to say here as well. Because, unfortunately, the church has been de- defined, as I we started off the podcast, we had early disagreement within the church there was reconciliation between the faction that was supporting peter and the faction that was supporting paul there was reconciliation within the church leaders they went out unified and somewhere down the road if i've been if i've gone to seminary i probably church history class it probably would have there's probably a clear time when that happened um i don't know might not have other than a few little schisms here and there it might really didn't happen until the Protestant Re- Reformation. There was any kind of severe schism, although there might've been some around some of the crusades. That would be interesting. Uh, anyway, certainly the last couple hundred years have been marred by infighting and casting each, each groups out. Uh, not only did the Protestant movement, Separate itself from the Catholic movement, you know Protestants separated them from the Catholics Catholics said you're not true Christians Protestants said right back at you and then immediately the Protestants started uh, Bifurcating turning into their own small groups and then telling fellow Protestants well you're not believers either because you don't agree with this new interpretation of The scripture that we've come up with and what it means to be a Jesus follower And it's just marred the church since then and it's only gotten worse in the United States with our evangelical movements that have come out of the Americas. Uh, Their theological contrast is endless fracturing in churches and denominations where everyone must agree on nearly everything to worship or do mission together. A spirit of judgmentalism, fuzziness in uh, in which a community sticks together to do history or relationship but without any common mission or purpose or shared faith or identity.
0: Yeah, I think that mainly what we're getting at here is if you are sitting there and saying that if you find Jesus at the core of your faith, as we said, right, it's, we're shared by our center, and that's the center, um, is Jesus, and what we had talked about on our first podcast is um, you're a part of the faith, you're a part of the believers, you, you hold those dogmas that that centerpiece of Jesus Christ, that this is where we can all work together to move forward. A lot of these doctrines and opinions should really not divide us. The way that we practice certain things in the church or whatever, that's not what should be dividing us. Um, We should be strengthened by that. So just because somebody listens to music in their church and another one doesn't, does that mean that they are not a part of God's chosen people? And so and what's hard is and as we stated last week, again, what we want to say is that we wanted to be critical of you um, for anybody that's out there that is of this way. And and there are still things that I believe that me and Tim still have not opened our eyes to. But we are coming from a perspective of we have said several times that we used to believe this and we used to believe that. And there became this moment where we were like where we had conversations with people or whatever and eventually over time we were able to sit there and say you know what that that's right like that is correct and whether we came through it through self-realization or it came from somebody telling us or whatever we began to sit there and question and grow and develop and that's what we wanted from this podcast was we could sit there and see people that are on the far side that are not growing and not developing and and we want to sit there and say hey think about this at least go home think about it wrestle with it um and it's always hard when it's you know two of us talking and sure um and there's not a third party, but you guys are more than welcome to ask questions or contradict us at any time. We've <laughs> asked for it for a year and have only gotten like two comments. Yeah. So,
1: um, and we know people are listening, or at least unless the stats are lying to us, but you're yeah. all listening, but not questioning. So. All right. So I guess we're just... Someone tell us to go to We're hell. just perfect, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, and this is the thing is what I would highly encourage anybody to go to their pastors anytime on any of these topics and ask them questions um you should be doing that um and and what's happening right now is is like it says is there's this huge split um but and yeah we we raz other places we talk about us being Anabaptist we talk about where we used to come from was we were in a Baptist church um westernized Baptist by the way uh <laughs> uh if you don't know what that means, you can figure it out. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, we raz the reforms, um, the uh, the Calvinists. You know, there, there's lots of different churches and schools of thought that we that we're going to bust your chops for on this podcast. But don't ever think that we don't believe that we share a mission and vision to love and care for other people on this world. As long as that's what you continue to focus on. And if you're not focusing on that, we are asking you to change that. Right now on this podcast, we are yeah. saying this is what we are wanting from you. And we are saying that this idea of this Jesus collective of being Jesus-centered, um, this is the way that we as a body should have been all along um, and that we need to continue to push through, um, especially as the world continues to change and people are having more of these questions and it's no longer just this— and. And what you need to understand is that for a long time again with the church being a government body which it was uh, for such a long period of time it had such huge pull um, and people were just like yeah you just blindly followed that faith um, because that's what your parents did it's what they taught you to do Um, and so those people that kind of branched out were kind of ostracized marginalized Um, but now as we're in this this new era where people are allowed to think whatever it is that they want to think we have to evolve with that and sit there and question the scripture and not sit there and say like it well i mean you have to sit there and say is this a valid document and we are saying it is but we're saying that it's not necessarily the same valid document that was practiced 200 years ago right uh the way that they did their faith was not necessarily the way that it was meant to be done um And that's what we're finding as we evaluate scripture more and more is that that was not the intention of what this faith was. And so if you're, that's what we're asking you to do with this is align yourself with Jesus and his mission and his statement for us, and then go from there. Um, And then you can add in all the additional rules if you want to, just don't blame other people
1: for not wanting to be a part of them. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and okay, you guys keep talking and, general vagaries we'll, we'll, give me some examples so easy ones uh if you're a baptist you believe in you know if you're a baptist and a lot of other denominations it's it's full immersion or nothing that's a wonderful tradition if your church teaches that tradition and you because you value the symbolism of it of the of being going completely under the water and that representing that the holy spirit and jesus dying on the cross is washing away the sins that's great but it's not great it is incorrect to say that if you haven't been baptized that way you're not truly baptized or even worse you're not really a true believer uh some churches are really adamant about communion and how often communion should be done and if you're not doing it that often There's somehow you're violating some secret script part of the scripture that they found out when Jesus apparently said we're supposed to do this every week, uh, meaning the Last Supper. If you value doing that once a month, or some places do it every week, that's fine. But it is not a lack of. It's not a sign of not being true believers uh, if you're not doing that. Yeah. Uh, and I would. I'm gonna go one step further. And I would challenge you not only as a a believer, but pastors and people who run churches to, yeah, it means something maybe to be Baptist or Presbyterian or whatever, but I would also challenge you doing that to your own churches. So it might be a value that traditionally your church is Baptist and full immersion. Baptism is important, but, If someone wants to come to your church because they like the community you've built, which is much more important. Don't make immersion as an excuse for separation from your, from that community. Here's an easy one. I just, someone just pastor friend of mine just told me the story this week. Uh, They know someone who's going to a church in our area. This guy's openly gay. I think he's married. He grew up in the church. He'd been there entire life. I think went to college, came back, was serving in the church. I don't know where. I think he was just like being an usher or something. And one of the pastors basically said, you either need to stop being gay or you can't serve anymore. And that guy's left. In fact, he's left that church and started coming to our church because at our church, we say you can serve even though you're not necessarily a Jesus follower. Because We think it's more important that you start living like a Jesus follower before right. telling you you have to be a Jesus follower to, to come here. And and we think in the process, by learning about Jesus and what it means to be a Jesus follower, we're going to win you over at some point. Yep. Um. By making... Yeah, I'm sorry. Something you might find as fundamental as gay marriage and homosexuality is this thing that's one of the add-ons to being a Jesus follower. You're now creating separation from at least this person, but it's also something that you're creating separation with other parts of the church that are now struggling with and saying, I don't know that in maybe this thing about homosexuality is more also a cultural thing and we need to look at it from a different perspective now that we have different views of science and whatnot and maybe these calls about you know what is listed and talked about in both the old testament and new testament is more of a cultural thing and we need to put guidelines on what it means to be a homosexual and a christian but those guidelines are the same as it would be if you're a heterosexual and I would include that if you're listening to this and you say, well, that's not being a true Christian. You're just adding boundaries to Christianity that shouldn't exist. And I think you can say you don't agree with that. And you think possibly you're leading people astray from a healthy relationship with Jesus, but it shouldn't be something we're creating boundaries where this is getting back to the couple episodes back when this is this thing literally here we i think three episodes ago we talked about bounded sets and centered sets and this is literally if we had someone on from jesus collective i guarantee you right now they'd be talking about this yeah. they would be saying that not only has the church created again if you guys are remember it's much better visual but just think of a, a representation of a bunch of people on like plotted out on a piece of paper and there's a circle and everybody who doesn't agree with something or disagrees with something is outside of this circle meaning they're not a true believer they're outside of the little country club group that we've created yeah and what the jesus collective group is saying not only with non-believers but also with fellow believers is we all need to also agree on a centered set version of Christianity that says, you might think I'm farther away from the faith because I think it's okay to be gay and a Christian. You might disagree with me on that. and But don't put a circle around that and say I'm outside the faith. Maybe just between yourself, (laughs) say, well, that's fine. I think you're farther away from Jesus than what Jesus would like you to be because I still hold to a traditional view of male-female relationship. But let's get away from casting people outside the group. Yeah. And then also, yes, petty things like only church on Sunday or only church on Saturday or uh, communion or... Baptism, or all kinds of other things that we've fought over over the many years of the church that have been led to church division and the church literally fighting sometimes, but also just outright saying, You're not a true believer if you're not this. Right. To the point where it is accepted in our culture. When people ask what you know what religion you are your response is I'm a Baptist that should not be coming out of your mouth who cares if you're a Baptist that you're there's no such thing as a Baptist follower in the Bible there's no such thing as a as a Presbyterian in the Bible there's no such thing as a Catholic or a Roman or or a Protestant you are a Jesus follower that should be the answer that comes out of or a Christian if you want to use the traditional term what what religion are you I'm a Christian not I'm a Protestant not I'm a Catholic Not I'm a Presbyterian or Unitarian. It's I'm a Jesus follower. Yeah. And yes, Unitarian. If you might don't. Well, I don't know. Unitarians, they don't believe in the Trinity, right? Oh, no. Might be. I don't. Let's not go there. Anyway, we've got to get to where we're not fighting amongst ourselves, because as long as we're fighting amongst ourselves, it gives the world an excuse to not follow Jesus and say, well, they're no better than we are. And it allows them to mimic that unchristlike like behavior in their own way of managing their thought, their ways of uh, cultural views, etc. By saying, if you're not orthodox, you're outside the group. Which is what we're seeing on steroids right now. Particularly on anything related to social media. You're outside the group. You're done.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's why you have this secular contrast here, which says that full inclusion in the group requires strict purity tests. Failure to subscribe to any one piece of current orthodoxy can result in exclusion or splintering. And the hard part is is that if you sit there and you evaluate any group work or anybody that's a part of a general collective, um, there's lots of different people that – that have different beliefs or different things that they know or whatever, and that's what they become a part of. It's like, they still follow the common goal and the common uh, mission. You can't sit there and say that just because I don't believe this one particular thing that therefore I'm out or I'm isolated. Um, We need to be able to work together without having um, full agreement on some of these, you know, uh, policies or whatever. Um, but that's why we talked about, that's why we did Mere Christianity, that's why we talked about um, kind of getting back to what is the core center of our faith, and then going through viewing the core center of our faith, and that becomes our mission and our vision that is cast for us, and so that's what we then need to participate in, um, and that should be our focus and our goal, um, and so if you continue to focus on that and you focus on Him, you you miss a lot of the distractions um That plague our religion a lot of the times to where you almost make it seem like the secular contrast has won um, on this conversation where they sit there and say like, well, if you and because that's what the church has been doing is if you don't believe this exact specific thing, then you're out. Um, You don't get to be a part of it. Um, We isolate you um, and we exclude you. Uh, because you are just slightly different in this element or in this area. But we say that there's lots of people or what the Jesus Collective is about is about there's a lot of us that come from a lot of different backgrounds that have a lot of different beliefs. But as long as we are able to focus on this and we continue to push and work towards this, then we are going to be a okay.
1: Yeah. So. I think that wraps it up. I think it's a good little... Primer on what it on what the Jesus Collective group is, and again, what we're trying to push as being Jesus centered. There's got to be values to that describe what that means. You can't just have a quaint little saying of "yo, we're just we're Jesus centered," so you know we're just better than everybody else because we just you know focus on Jesus, man. But so there's got to be some depth and meaning to it and i think that that gives a nice description uh certainly a start and we hope to continue to have discussions like that so those of us uh, those of you who are listening to this are maybe animated by that as well of you not familiar with christianity but you're more um interested in a stripped down version and not something that whatever your preconceived notions or what's been represented to you of christianity and if you've grown up in the church like us and Feel like the longer you're in it, there's more stuff added to it that's a requirement of being a Jesus follower and just trying to detangle or deconstruct uh, those things out of your faith. Uh, we hope to continue that. Give everybody tools as we're also just kind of working through that, what it means as well. Yeah. Um, give you guys ideas of what that means. So when you come across people and they and you say, yeah, "I'm I'm I'm a Jesus-centered follow- uh, Christian," well, what does that mean? Well, it Kind of means this. Church has kind of been this way, or I grew up in a church like this, and I feel it's more like this. And so, it I think will attract a lot more people who. I think this. My personal view is I think this is a movement that is needed for the time we're in. Um, the Christianity that's run its course of. Traditional Catholicism and Protestantism has kind of run its course. Um, we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we need to take what is good from those movements and distill it down and simplify it and get back to something closer to what Jesus was actually talking about and even as simple as what Peter and Paul were trying to describe to new Jesus followers in their letters. And so I think I'm hoping... I think we're both hoping that this is kind of the, the start of that movement and it'll yeah. take a long time, but as we, those of us talk about it and engage of it, engage in it, we're help. We're all contributing to that movement growing and expanding. So, yeah. All right. Well, we all thank you for listening to the go to hell podcast. Uh, just to let everybody know, we are now on YouTube. So, Colton and I are not recording video, uh, but we do have tidy little uh, podcasts that you can listen to. Uh, they get, they get. I'm still get, we're still getting the backlog of the forty something episodes up on YouTube, but they are posting automatically to YouTube. So if you're a YouTuber, you prefer that to the podcast apps, so you can now listen to us on YouTube. Uh, post your comments, questions, criticisms, criticisms. Uh, at go to hell podcast subsac.com always hit us up on twitter the go to hell pod and instagram at go to hell pod or you can email me at tim at go to hell Podcast.com or colton at go to hell Podcast.com. if you noticed that when we started the show we never did a beer of the week and that offends you you can go to hell